belly and the fish. Belly, belly and the fish. Welcome, friends, to Belly and the Fish. I'm your host, Corbin, aka the Fish, and right here we got none other than Ben Belly Smokes Hunter. That's me. How you doing, Ben? I'm pretty good, man. Another fine Tuesday evening. Recording mm-hmm. with my good old buddy, Fishy Corb. Yep, we got to get this one out early this time. How's that traffic? Took you long enough. I got to get to a soccer game. Tell you one thing, man. Trying to get through uh, rush hour traffic right out of Nashville. Everybody's trying to leave the downtown area, which is right where I work. Yeah, it's not fun. Yeah. Well, you have a little bit more of a normal Sunday this week. I know mm-hmm. I did. Red zone on one, Lions on the other. It was great. It's it was one back. of the... It was one of the first Mondays where I went to work, uh, fresh off, no drinking Saturday or Sunday. I didn't know people could feel that good on Mondays. It was absolutely shocking to me. Got a lot of work done. Big turnaround from last week. Yeah, I had to throw on uh, blue light glasses after those uh, one o'clock games were over because my eyes were just cooked. And I knew I had a good like seven hours left with the Sunday night games, too. So are you talking about because you didn't blink one time during the Lions game? Nope. (laughs) Nope. I had to throw a couple eye drops in at halftime, but yeah, these eyes, nothing, no blinking. It was uh, more dehydrated than SpongeBob on that water episode. <laughs> yep. That's what it was like. Just with the eyes. <laughs> just the eyes though. Everything else perfectly hydrated. Mm-hmm. You just had eye drops cooking into you like a clockwork orange. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I have those rotos, the ones that kind of sting. I used to take them in high school and I would get high all the time, but now I just don't care. My eyes don't get red, but now I just use it when I'm watching seven hours of commercial free football on NFL red zone. Oh, did you hear Hanson butcher a couple names during the broadcast on Sunday? He was all over the place. (laughs) Uh, There was a couple times during the commentary on Sunday. I can't remember what play it was, but at one point there was a running back pounding the rock and he's like, Oh, look at him coming hard. And I could not stop laughing. Yeah. He's just getting back into the swing of things. I mean, he's better than Siciliano or whoever the other guy is. I never listen to him. Chris Hansen all the way. I'm Team Hansen. Oh, yeah. Got to love the Hansen, man. So, Ben, I know last episode we do a little check-in to see how you're weighing in nowadays. Is that scale cracked or? Uh, no, no. Scale's working fine. Um, the only problem today is uh, I, I stepped on the scale, finally broke the 230 mark, came in at 229. And in my searches, it is very, very tough to find a 229-pound player. I think when they weigh in, they're like, we're just going to round up to 230 or round down to 228. But um, we didn't hit it on the head. But um, we found a very comparable player that has been brought up on this podcast. I am the same size currently as cowboy hat-wearing Malcolm Rodriguez. He is one inch taller than me, and he weighs one pound more than me, but that's as close as we're going to get because 229 is quite the obscure number. Um, but basically, we're, we're, we're not a running back this time, which is shocking to me, and the goal is to get to slot receiver. That's just <laughs> what I want to be. I just want to be a nice 5'10", maybe buck 85, buck 90. There's a ton of those guys out there. Yeah, you keep working. You'll get down to that slot receiver weight, but – I know you're definitely not as fast or strong, not even close to as strong as Malcolm Rodriguez. I know firsthand from the time that we did that Oklahoma drill against each other. And I haven't gone against Malcolm Rodriguez in Oklahoma, but I guarantee he packs a heavier punch than you because it was nothing. Uh, There's no doubt about that, Corb. I mean, maybe I have a little little more rock solid in the abdomen area, area, but not with muscle, just with pure, just coagulated beer. 
that's just been sitting there for years. And it, it is it is starting to turn into a little bit of a cement mixer down there. Only the thing's not churning it and keeping it a liquid. It is rock. <laughs> rock solid. Good. I like that. Well, you want to know who's not solid? It's the Washington Commanders. That is for damn sure, because here we sit, Lions 1-1, one and one, a win in September. It is an absolute glorious thing. I think it's been two, three years since I've had this feeling. Damn, does it feel good. What do you think, Bell? Oh, Putin's commies did not show up to play. And you know what? If that tells me anything, I think Ukraine's going to win this war now. Yeah, they tuck tailed and run. I think they're doing that in real life, too. I think Ukraine's got them on the ropes. Democracy, oh, yeah. baby. Oh, yeah. We're going to do, do fantasy war here at the end of the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll have to try and incorporate it in for the other teams. Oh, Vikings next week. That'll be a pretty easy one. <laughs> they don't even have guns. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dan Campbell's got some guns. That's for damn sure. He'll put them down. Also, you're going to want to stick around till the end on this podcast. We got a couple new segments. Of course, we got the Corbin, how bad do you want it? But we added in a couple newbies. We got our nickname origin story for Belly and the Fish and also the meme of the month. You're not going to want to miss it. All right, well, let's get into it a little bit. What the people want to hear, it's the matchup. The battle of democracy versus communism has been decided. It is democracy. USA! 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 Kind of hard to time that up over the, uh, the microphone on the Zoom chat there, Corb. Yeah, I think we got the point across. Oh, yeah, that's all that matters. I thought the Lions dominated the entire game. It was a defensive shutout in the first half. We were leading 22-0. to zero. The commanders did start to rally back in the second half, but our offense always answered. And that was mostly due in part to Jared Goff making some big plays. It's kind of, I was definitely nervous in the second half. You, you see the commanders putting up some points, and when the Lions have the lead, you never want to get your hopes up. And I kept telling myself, don't get too excited, don't get too excited. But I couldn't help it because it was just a beautiful first half. I was on the edge of my seat, but the Lions pulled through. Never really a doubt in hindsight. There is a 0% chance you didn't get too excited at some point. I would love to hear Emma's perspective. You were probably screaming at the TV, sweat running down your forehead in a fit of joy. Nope, she left. I had Big Mart over to watch him. He was just as excited as I was, I assure you. I have no doubt about that. But Lions did some good things, finished with no turnovers, no interceptions, no fumbles. Another guy I wanted to call out was Ben Johnson, our offensive coordinator, first-year offensive coordinator. has been getting a lot of praise throughout the media for some of his play calling. Our offense has been fantastic. We are tied for second place in the league in terms of points with the Kansas City Chiefs. Only the Bills have that number one spot. So, you know, two great offenses to even be mentioned in the same breath with the Lions. I think that's great. Commies aren't exactly a uh, prolific defense, so it's going to take time. But we're, we're a little past the eye test of week one. We've only got the two games under our belt. I get it. But, I mean, 30-plus points in two straight games. The Eagles, they're definitely no slouch. You know, I do think the offense is good. But to put them up with the Chiefs and Bills, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pump the brakes a little on that one before I get ahead of myself. Like I said, don't want to get too excited. When I see these articles going out, I'm just like, oh. I want to believe, but I'm not there yet. Yeah. Speaking of articles, I've been on Facebook lately and uh, I'm getting a lot of those uh, Zuckerberg listening in on me. I'm getting a lot more lines on my Facebook feed. And uh, I got to say, I'm here for the articles that make you think, that make you stir and give us some good talking points. Yeah. The algorithm's got you down. We're turning you into a fan again after all. 
<laughs> let's not get there just yet. No. Well, let's jump into the positions. Uh, we'll start off with Jared Goff, who looked quite frankly fantastic. It was great to see, you know, after the last uh, game against the Eagles, you know, the poor per- first half and then bouncing back in the second. I had some question marks, but he, boy, did he deliver this game. And, you know, I thought he left a lot on the table, too. The thing that comes to mind, that one play was the uh, shark touchdown pass on fourth and goal. The one right in the first quarter where it was a little bit of a an off throw thrown a little bit behind that was dropped turnover on downs on the five yard line or so. Um, there were a couple of missed throws and drops throughout the game, but overall, I thought he had a hell of a game. And I'm pumped to see him have one like that. He needed something like that. I think it was all part of the design to get that safety. <laughs> well, golf, that was, golf was golf big brained that he's like, yep. you know what? We're, we're not going to score here just so we can get a safety. Let the defense shine a little bit. Yep. He's like, you know what? Defense is doing all right. They had a good practice. Let's just, you know, let's just give it to the, to the commanders at the five yard line and see what they can do. They'll get the ball back for us. And I'm, glad they they did. Did. I'm glad they delivered on that very next play because at the time I was like, got to put that one on the money, but it all worked out in the end. Well, I think Goff does have a chance to actually do something with this year. And I mean, his best football could be right in front of him. I mean, he's still young. He still has that talent. I think that he's just got to get more consistent. It was kind of the same thing as the Eagles game. If you look throughout the entire game, golf started off a little slower and then he started to get into a groove, put together some good drives, some long drives at that. And he was really good in the red zone. He was spreading the ball around. Amon Ross St. Brown had two touchdowns. He got one to Josh Reynolds. And then the last one he had to DeAndre Swift on that play that he fell which I really just give to Swift because that was a play that I've never seen before. And it just reminds me of Barry Sanders to fall down, get up, juke four guys and run into the end zone. That was all on him. So, but it was just kind of like I predicted in the the previous episode, I thought that Goff would be a little bit more efficient with the football, you know, like 250 yards, two touchdowns, zero picks. Um, I thought it would be a little higher completion percentage. That was the one thing I was a little off on, but I'll take two extra touchdowns over a higher completion percentage any day. No turnovers, so you really can't ask for much more. It's not like Jared Goff is a Patrick Mahomes who's going to you know, put the team on his back and drive you down and score touchdown after touchdown after touchdown. He needs a team around him to really stand out and be one of the best, and we know that. You know, I, if, As long as he's a high floor, a little bit lower ceiling, we can get by with that. Just give us some Alex Smith numbers, you know, that'll do this just fine. Yeah. Yeah. You don't need to be the best. Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl. Look at him now starting on the Jets, getting wins. Oh, we'll get to that Jets game. But oh boy, Flacco. Yeah, I I take that back. I don't want to be comparing Jared Goff to Joe Flacco ever unless he wins a Super Bowl. But yeah, like you mentioned with Swift, he was a little bit down this week just because of the injury. He did have some big plays, was very, very efficient. And speaking of the run game, everybody besides Goff is over four yards of carry. Craig Reynolds, Jamal Williams, DeAndre Swift, and Amon Ross St. Brown. We'll take it. We got Craig Reynolds in there for a few. Jamal Williams was definitely a little bit more featured just because of that injury. He chipped in. Yeah, 12 carries for 53 yards, so not bad for Jamal. And then you got Amon Ross St. Brown, too. He had that one sweep for 58 yards, and that was really the difference maker in the game. We needed that because our run game did kind of stall out in the second half. Um, that's something that we really need to focus on too, is just not letting up on that. And part of it's just losing swift. And I know we had a hobbled offensive line, but on that sweet play, Amon Ross St. Brown, when he was turning the corner, he heard somebody on the defense say, Oh shit. And so he knew it was going to be a big play. And let's touch a little bit more on Amon Ross St. Brown's. I mean, he is just shattering 
records every single week. He's a second-year player, and he's not showing it. The guy has all the talent and the volume to be one of the top receivers in the in the entire NFL. I mean, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but he's doing something special, something that nobody else in the history of the NFL has done. I mean, right now he's tied with uh, eight-plus catches in however many consecutive games with Michael Thomas and Antonio Brown, and that's good company to be in. I mean, that could be a wide receiver one season easily. I mean, he's currently wide receiver number two in standard and three in PPR, so – Another few good games and having somebody just throwing up a pedestrian effort, he'll be number one in no time. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't, he's not the most, he's not the fastest guy. He's not the most skilled guy, but he just does everything very, very well. And all of that just equates to what he is. He's a fantastic player. I'm so happy that we got lucky and got him. And then you got Jamison Williams just waiting to come off IR too. Our receiving core is, it's scary. Josh Reynolds hauled in a nice touchdown to a great catch in the back of the end zone. Chark was a little, uh, he was nowhere to be seen at all. He had zero catches, four targets. Goff did look to him again in the, in the end zone on that fourth down play that I mentioned in the first quarter, it was kind of a bad throw on Goff. So Goff does still look to him, but you want to see some more consistency. Amon Ross St. Brown is unquestioned the wide receiver one and Goff's favorite target. I think Josh Reynolds and, DJ Chark, it just kind of depends week to week on who's going to have the hot hand and take that wide receiver two role. Getting into the tight ends performance, we'll talk about TJ Hawkinson a little later. But the one guy that I did want to highlight in our tight end group was Brock Wright, our tight end two. He had a great catch on third down. It was a beautiful pass by Goff right over the top. And I thought the tight ends really helped compensate for the, the guys we were missing on the offensive line. They had some good blocks to help loosen up Swift and Williams and also in pass protection too. So, but getting into the O-line, the real story of this week, well-documented, we were missing the three starters on the interior and we eventually decided to go with Dan Skipper. He is a six-year pro and he made his first start playing guard. And Dan Campbell, when he was... When Dan Campbell was uh, addressing the team in the locker room, he had to dip into that notes app, find one of those victory speeches. He better come up with a few more after that performance because we were looking good. But he gave a special shout-out to Dan Skipper, Evan Brown, and Logan Stenberg, the three guys filling in on the interior, and then Will Harris filling in for Amani Awarie as well. Yeah, didn't Dan Skipper say he had been cut from like 20 NFL teams at one point, finally getting the start in the big show? Uh, not 20 uh, teams. He said that he's probably had 20 NFL contracts. He's never made a 53-man roster before, an initial 53-man roster. And this was his first start. He's uh, always played tackle. But for his first start, they threw him in at guard just to see how he would do. You know, the Lions were looking for some continuity. Skipper's been with the team. And we really had no other option just because we've been decimated by injuries on the interior. We had... Evan Brown filling in, Tommy Kramer out, and we really had no other answer. We, I, before we even got to the game, I kind of contemplated the idea of Logan moving Stenberg over to left guard, his natural position that he's been practicing at all camp, bumping Penny Sewell into right guard, and then have Matt Nelson, our backup tackle, play right tackle. So obviously, we didn't go with that. I think it's, you know, it's fine just to have Penny Sewell there. You, you want that guy on, on the tackle on the outside. Um, Dan Skipper, he filled in admirably. He did a great job. He was very emotional and it was just really good to see. We really had no other options other than him. Um, and the combination that I spoke of, 
the other two guys that we have on the roster, Drew Forbes, we picked him up off of waivers from the Browns after the initial 53-man cut. And then another guy that we just picked up off the Eagles practice squad this week, his name is Kaode Owasika. So I don't know anything about those guys, but I'm glad that Skipper, who's been with the team for months and has been practicing with us and knows the team and knows the offense, got the nod. It's a cool story. Absolutely nailing those names, by the way, Corbin. That's impressive. Well, I looked up this one too. And it turns out this uh, Owasika guy, he's from Nigeria. And I think that puts us at like eight or nine guys all from uh, Nigerian descent. They're all from Nigeria? Yep. Amani Awari is one. Both the Aquaras, Julian Romeo Aquara, Jeff Okuda, Levi Anzarike, all from Nigeria. So I don't know what it is with Nigeria, but they are pumping out some world-class athletes, and the Lions are taking advantage. Kamaru Usman's a Nigerian, too, and he's a beast in the UFC. What are they feeding him out there? (laughs) Well... I can tell you it's probably not much. I mean, have you seen the commercials? It's like 25 cents to feed a family out there. You're talking about like the that. nickel a day commercials? <laughs> well, it's definitely not a bountiful harvest of KFC, Domino's, and the always delicious Taco Bell. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> but whatever they're doing, they're doing it right. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, though, if I'm Nick Saban... I'm going out to Nigeria and I'm investing in some real estate out there. I mean, think of that recruiting pipeline. If you can put a border around Nigeria and West Africa, just corner that market. I mean, you're looking at probably 20 years of winning football for the Crimson Tide. Are you trying to craft the all Nigeria team? Well, we're pretty close. Like I said, we got like eight or nine guys as is right now. So, all right, let's get to the D line here. We've got, uh, we'll start off with the star of the show, Aiden Hutchinson. I mentioned him on my burning bag of dog shit, honorable mention. I knew that it wouldn't be warranted because damn, did he have an impressive game. Three sacks in the first half, couple tackles for loss. Hurries on top of that. I mean, he was just bringing it all game long. And that's exactly what you wanted to see. I knew it would happen eventually. And it just came all in the first half. Hobbled by the injury too. It didn't stop him. I mean, he was just impressive. And I've been seeing a lot of people say that, you know, it was, kind of like on a scrambler some last minute effort but that's kind of what he is he has that relentless motor and he's not gonna quit and he's reaping the rewards three sacks most all time for a rookie for the lions it's incredible i think he should be rookie of the week i voted for him on the twitter poll i saw the pepsi rookie of the week go vote aiden hutchinson give it to our boy when do the uh, results come out for that I don't know. They didn't even show you like the percentage or anything. So I'm sure that like Garrett Wilson or Jahan Dotson or somebody's going to win it over him, even though he had a uh, record setting game as a rookie. I'm sure that they'll just disrespect the Lions like normal, but that's all right. They'll respect us eventually. We're on the right trajectory. I did see the Lions shoot up in the power rankings. Aren't they like 16 or something now, right in the middle of the pack? Yeah, right middle of the pack, at least the top two thirds of the league. So. We'll be moving up. We'll have our chance to prove it next weekend. But let's not forget his running mate, Charles Harris, had a lovely strip sack that resulted in a safety on Carson Wentz. I mean, if you saw Carson Wentz in between plays, he'd take off his helmet, and the dude is just beat red. He was beaten to a pulp, just pummeled by our defense, and that was a sight to see. I mean, you could tell that he was getting frustrated and antsy out there, just making some dumb passes. 
we definitely put the pressure on him. It's good to see. And then if you talk interior defensive line, I thought John Kaminsky had a great game, two in a row, a guy we picked up off waivers in the off season, right before training camp started. He has a great interior pass rush and you see us kind of stack uh, Hutchinson, Charles Harris and Kaminsky all kind of right in a row. And that's tough because all of those guys can really bring up when they're starting to pass. And Isaiah Bugs had a great game. That's two back-to-back great games for him. Aleem McNeil is just stout in the middle. It really showed in our, uh, our, re- our run defense. Antonio Gibson didn't get going. It's good to have Julian a quarterback. Like I mentioned, he got some snaps in. So hopefully we'll be seeing a little bit more of him. But it's really encouraging to see the D-line have a performance like this. Yeah, yeah, the Lions did look absolutely great, especially that first half. Um, talking about the uh, Washington offense, well, as you said, Wentz was just under duress that whole first half. Um, his stat line ended up being all right, 30 for 46, 337, three touchdowns and an interception. Um, he put up a good fantasy performance, but I think that's only because of game script and the fact that they had to throw the ball being down as much as they were. Um, before the week started, we were talking about how the Eagles uh, ran all over us. And then, man, they absolutely stymied the commies' run game. Antonio Gibson, 14 carries for 28 yards. This average of two yards a carry, which is just abysmal. They can't wait for that guy with the bullet in his butthole to come back, Brian Robinson. <laughs> well, that's fine. He can come back anytime now. The game's over. I wish him a speedy recovery now that we don't have to face him. And I doubt we'll be facing him in the playoffs either because they're not making it. Uh, not a chance. Moving on, we'll talk some linebackers. Malcolm Rodriguez, another stunning performance. I mean, you set a high bar for the guy and you try and temper your expectations, and then he comes out and has a game like that. Led the team in tackles. I thought he had a great game. Uh, He had a good quarterback hit, too, on Wentz, but there was one scramble uh, up the middle that he did get a little excited on and missed. Uh, Anzalone, I thought that he had a great game, too. I don't know why he gets dogged so much and dragged out, but... I do agree. I think he's a band-aid. He's a good vet to have there, a good presence. And I think he's fine for now. That's what we need until we get that second linebacker, the running mate for Malcolm Rodriguez. Uh, Chris Board was kind of our uh, third guy in the rotation. We brought him in on some third downs. I think he brings some versatility as a pass rusher and also dropping into coverage. But then my burning bag of dog shit award recipient Derek Barnes Aaron Glenn must have heard the news he must have smelt that shit wafting off Derek Barnes porch because he benched him zero snaps on defense he was relegated to special teams I think that's kind of got to be a wake-up call for the guy I mean he did blow a lot of key plays in that Eagles game that I did think was winnable you got to be better than that I mean you look at Malcolm Rodriguez six-round pick one training camp under his belt and he's already ahead of Derek Barnes we got to see him some improvement out of him. And I get it. He's still young and you can't expect everybody to look like Malcolm Rodriguez is, but the Lions can actually compete this year. And I think Anzalone has a, gives them a better chance to win. Could have said it better myself, Corp. We'll talk about defensive backs here. One guy that I wanted to highlight was Deshaun Elliott. The guy was all over the field, laying lumber to anyone and everyone that he could find. I mean, <laughs> If you look at that Curtis Samuel touchdown, I just feel bad for him. Poor Curtis Samuel catches the ball crossing the goal line and he gets laid the fuck out and he stays down for a little bit. His teammates help him up and the poor guy looked like he was about to cry straight up. Go back and look at it. He absolutely smoked him. And that wasn't the only time. I mean, Curtis Samuel, he got hit quite a few times by Deshaun Elliott. So it's good to have that presence. Good kind of strong safety 
kind of role when we have Tracy Walker prowling in the back. Uh, Will Harris, he filled in very nicely. Uh, he gave up a few plays, um, but I think he's a solid backup option. He had a nice interception off a tip from Tracy Walker. Um, so it's good to have him. He's a converted safety, just starting at corner this year. Still a young guy. Um, so I think you could do a lot worse in a pinch when we were missing out on Amani Warrior in the lineup. And then, of course, we'll talk Jeff Okuda, who had a fantastic game. He shadowed Terry McLaurin the entire game and didn't give him shit. Three catches for 31 yards against a top receiver in the NFL. That is impressive. And, you know, he wasn't always on McLaurin. There was a couple of times where he went and tailed Dotson or, or Curtis Samuel. So it was a tough matchup, no matter who you have, because all three of those guys are great. You did see him go out for a little bit holding him kind of like on his calf, his ankle. And I'm just like, oh my God, is that the Achilles? Is that the Achilles acting up again? And my heart sank. And then you just see him kind of getting his calves massaged by the trainers on the sideline. And so that was a sigh of relief for sure. That was definitely a scary moment. He came back in the game and he was fine. I guess he's talking to some nutritionists on how to avoid these cramps, but that's all right. If it's a cramp, he has to come out a couple of plays. That'll be okay. We'll get a warrior back. It doesn't seem too serious. So I don't mind having Will Harrison for a play or two if needed. The DBs did great. They did good holding the commander's wide receivers in check. Um, once again, though, game script really changed it. So they were just hawking and chucking the ball in the second half. Uh, Terry McLaurin under 100 yards, four catches for 75 yards, no touchdowns. Um, for most teams, he's probably your wide receiver too and didn't give you those numbers. Uh, Curtis Samuel, another touchdown this week. Um, uh, I don't know if he's going to be able to sustain those numbers and the fact that he got hit so much. Normally that guy's made of absolute glass and he'll be out pretty soon potentially, or he can stay healthy. I don't know. I'm not a future teller. And then to add on to that, we have Jahan Dotson who had a strong performance in game one with two touchdowns. He followed it up with another one. Um, the rookie looks pretty promising if you ask me. So that'll bring it to our first segment. We got the game ball and the burning bag of dog shit to hand out. I think I'm going to start it off here. Game ball on offense, no doubt. Amon Ross St. Brown. He had 184 all-purpose yards, two touchdown receptions. He's breaking records left and right. There's nobody else in my mind. I mean, Swift had a good game too. Um, he was very efficient, but again, not a lot of touches, just kind of mending to that ankle. Amon Ross St. Brown is really starting to solidify himself as one of the premier receivers in the league. He is must-see TV. And I can't wait to see what he has to do next week against the Vikings. And then Aiden Hutchinson will get the game ball on the defense. Again, great start for the rookie. Three sacks, set a rookie record for the Lions. He had a couple of QB hurries on top of those sacks. A couple tackles for a loss, too. I mean, you can't really ask for much. And he did all this while dealing with an injury. You saw him limping in the second half. He played through it, which made me think it was maybe like an ankle or something like that. But then you saw him with like a, a wrap or an ice pad around his thigh. And Dan Campbell confirmed on Monday that he was just dealing with a Charlie horse. And that is not to be taken lightly. One time in middle school, a kid came up to me and kneed me right in the thigh and it made me puke. So I know the pain that he's going through. It takes a lot of grit to get through that. Charlie horses are no fucking joke. You puked after you got hit in the thigh. Yep. You hear that? If you want it, you hear that? If you want to take Corvin down, just give him a mean shot to the thigh and it's over. Yeah. I've got some weak exterior parts of my thighs, big legs, but the sides, no, they can't handle a lot. Same with my shins. Very weak. And that new jackass movie, when Steve-O got that 
skateboard dropped on him guillotine style when he had to try and be quiet i fell for him did you puke then too <laughs> nope nope cried inside okay <laughs> you should not skip leg day bud <laughs> no all right and my burning bag of dog shit i definitely had a couple of candidates to choose from game ball was a lot easier to give out we'll start with offense i didn't talk about this guy he's supposed to be getting a big contract it's TJ Hawkinson. And I remember his rookie year, I looked at him and tried to have an unbiased opinion because I want him to succeed, but I did see him have a shit ton of drops and I couldn't get past that. And then the next two years, he definitely cleaned it up, but now you're starting to see it again. And, you know, I don't think that he's on the level of like a Mark Andrews or a Travis Kelsey. I think that he's kind of like right in line with, you know, like the Dallas Goddards and the Mike Gesicki's like, he's really good. He's a really good, like second tier tight end. And he is a good blocker too. So that adds value, but I don't know. I think that Amon Ross St. Brown, he's just becoming Jared Goff's favorite target. He's a good enough safety blanket. And I think that Hawkinson, if he doesn't start shaping it up, I don't know if we re-sign him, you know, we got another year left before we make the decision. So he does have some more time to get the job done, but not his best performance. He did have one sick catch across the middle, but I'm not forgetting those drops. And I mean, if you're going to be that safety blanket, you got to have good hands. And I don't know. I think that's kind of his weak spot. He doesn't have a lot of, a lot to offer after the catch either. So you really got to nail that down. If you really want to be paid like the top tight end in the entire league, I, I wouldn't mind getting him on a second contract, but I don't want to pay the money that Kelsey and Andrews and some of these other elite guys are warranting. We'll move on from him. A uh, couple guys on defense. I wanted to bring up before I hand out the award. I'm going to give Tracy Walker an honorable mention. I thought that he had a good game, but I hold him to a higher standard. He's the captain of the defense and he was good in, in uh, defending against the run, but he did have a couple dropped interceptions. He had that one that was tipped up that Will Harris ended up grabbing. So everyone forgets about that. But then there was the flea flicker that they threw right to him, right in the end zone, nobody around. And I don't know if he just didn't expect it to come to him like that, but I mean, you got to have that. We need to force those turnovers and that would have been a big game changer for us. Sure. We had the lead, but you want to see your captain, one of the, if not the best player on your defense right now, come up with those plays. Uh, next guy I wanted to talk about, Derek Barnes, zero defensive snaps, burning bag. It's a curse. And I hope that this next guy is not cursed because we're going to need him throughout the season with the injuries that we've had on our defense. But the burning bag of dog shit this week is going to go to Michael Brockers. I think that a lot of these guys have just started to take it over for him. I mean, you see Isaiah Bugs and Aleem McNeil and John Kaminsky come out there and have good games. So why is Michael Brockers not on the field? I don't know the exact snap count or anything like that, but I bet he was on there like 30, 40% of the time. And he's supposed to be the veteran presence to lead these rookies and these younger guys. And he's really needs to establish our defense against the run. And we have some of these younger guys just stealing his playing time, taking his cookies. There was news this week that we pushed off 2 million of his contract to next year. So it's going to be even harder to cut him next year. I don't know why we did that. I mean, I'm not a cap expert by any means, but it's not like we brought on like a big free agent or anything. I get that. We had to bring on a couple of guys to help compensate for our injuries, but those are, you know, practice squad, like bottom of the roster guys. They're not getting big deals. 
So I don't know. I mean, I want to see some more out of him. We don't have, we have a bunch of players who are injured on the D line and you would expect him to get a bigger piece of the pie. So I expect more from him and that's why he's getting the burning bag this week. For me, um, the game ball is definitely going to the coaching staff all around. As you know, if you listen to last episode, I had zero faith in the Lions. As uh, And now I have a small glimmer of hope. But the coaching staff really took Ooh. it to them in the first half. I know I got some text mid-game that the commanders were coming back and everybody started talking, uh-oh, is this the same old Lions? But you know what? They held on. They held strong. They made the right moves. And then, once again, going forward on fourth down, I think they knew that that safety was coming. So you know what? I, game ball definitely goes to the coaching staff all around. Um, for the burning bag of dog shit award, it's definitely going to go to me. I am just a terrible person. <laughs> if you took my betting advice, you would have taken the commanders with the points as well as the under. And I hate to break it to you. Neither of them hit. I hope that uh, you listen to this after bets already had to get live because otherwise I- I'm not going to refund your bet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I missed on that under too. But and then I don't think that my same game parlay would have hit because Swift, I didn't have the official line. I said he would go over a hundred yards. I mean, I, I guess you would have to look at what the real line was. But I did get that spread right. I always bet on those lines. I had the stats. You didn't listen. You're not a stats guy. You went with that gut. It misled you. You know what? I got to stop trusting this gut, and hopefully it goes away. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into next week's preview. This is a big game folks we got lions at viking sunday 1 p.m the lions opened up before the eagles game vikings eagles game at plus seven and a half point dogs and checking this morning the lions are currently sitting at plus five and a half so two points off after that monstrosity of a game put on by the vikings the eagles beat the vikings 24 to 7 it was a scoreless second half nobody put up any points I mean, not, it's not hard to play defense against Kirk Cousins. If you watched him throw the ball, it was atrocious. The guy is just dog shit in prime time. Um, the fact of the matter is, looking at the line for next week, after watching the Vikings, like you want to slam the Lions after that, especially with five and a half. I, I think they have a good chance to win this game. The only thing about the NFL is, though, it's a week-to-week league. Kirk's not in prime time, so who knows? But right now, I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to take the Lions at the points. But – as you said, the line went down. I bet after that Lions game that everybody watched, uh, a lot of people are going to be pounding the Lions. And who knows what Vegas is thinking after that? No, I agree. I wish I would have gotten in when it was plus seven and a half. But I was like, you know what? Let's let this thing ride out a little bit and see what happens. Because I was kind of on the vent- the fence. I thought that the Vikings had a great game against the Packers, and they did not show up. Yeah, that was a lot due to Kirk Cousins, but I think they have their own slew of problems. We'll kind of get into that in a little bit here. But I think this is a big game because I hate to say it for the first time in a while, I have a glimmer of hope that the Lions have a chance to win the NFC North, which would be the first time since 1993. It's a big test. It's a big statement game. Everybody in the NFC North is one and one across the board. And I said it last week, I think the Vikings are my favorite to win the division, but now I'm starting to second guess that. Sure, I'm not going to discount Aaron Rodgers. I know that he's still playing at an MVP level and he's going to figure it out. They're off to a slow start. But if we can go into Minnesota and snatch a win from the Vikings, an away game, we're going to put the entire NFL on notice. And people are already starting to notice. I think that our offense, if we can clean a few things up, 
We could be elite. We could be one of the top five, 10 teams in the league, maybe. And then our defense going against Kirk Cousins, I think it's a pretty similar matchup as um, compared to Carson Wentz. He's not very mobile at all, way less mobile than Carson Wentz, in fact. And you could tell when the Eagles were putting pressure on Kirk Cousins, he was rattled. I mean, he was just chucking the ball up. He was trying to get into Justin Jefferson, but Darius Slay was his favorite target. He had two interceptions. He had four pass breakups. Guy probably could have had like four or five interceptions that game, dropped a few. But yeah, Kirk is just piss poor in prime time. He did not step up. I do expect him to have a pretty similar game, like the one that he had against the Packers week one. Pretty efficient, you know, maybe 250 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. But I don't expect him to chuck up three picks in a 1 p.m. game. I mean, the stats don't lie. He is atrocious in prime time. At first, I just thought that was an old wives tale. But if you look at the numbers, he's bad. I think the Lions, their winning formula is really going to be stopping the run and pressuring Kirk Cousins. Because if you take those two things away, I mean, Dalvin Cook, he's kind of, he's looking a little down. I mean, he's 27 years old and maybe you're starting to see a little deterioration and he had 90 yards against the Packers week one, but I don't even think he had 20 yards against the Eagles. It was terrible. Madison either. And I don't think the offensive line looked good against the Eagles either. They were getting after Kirk Cousins and you could tell he was rattled. But let's talk about the real man on that Vikings offense. And that's going to be Justin Jefferson. Okuda had a great job against Terry McLaurin, but let's be honest, he's no Justin Jefferson. These past two years, he has put on a historic performance. Now, week two, the Eagles had his number, and that was definitely a part of Slay. I mean, he's a former All-Pro, old Lion. I, I don't know why the hell we traded him. I still go back, and I'm just like, God damn it, why did Patricia talk about him sucking dick? Why did he try and control him? We could still have him. We could still have Quandre Diggs. Think about how good that defense would be if we still had him. I don't I don't want to dwell on the past. Fuck that. But Slay really bottled him up. Uh, Cousin was definitely trying to feed him the ball, but everything would just be like, a t- it would be like 10 yards and a first down, which is good. But I mean, if you're targeting the guy 10 times a game and, you know, he's getting like five to 10 yards a catch, I can live with that considering it's Justin Jefferson. I think we have to kind of take on a bend, don't break style against him. And if we have a Amani Awarie back, I don't know who's going to get the nod to go against him, but I think that we throw Okuda on him because that's going to be a matchup for years to come. Sure, Okuda's got a lot to prove, but the Vikings would be foolish to not sign Justin Jefferson to the biggest contract of all time in a couple of years when he's due. And I think Okuda's going to stick around because he's been doing well so far and injuries have just kind of hampered him. Yeah, that's going to be a great test for Jeff Okuda. I'm really excited to see that matchup. I wish him the best, but he's going to get this twice a year for the rest of his career, so he better be ready to bring it. Uh, As far as the Lions winning the division, uh, I just looked up the live odds. It's Packers plus 105, Vikings plus 140, and Lions plus 750. Do they have a chance? Yes. Um, That is going to be a long shot, as you were saying. Aaron Rodgers is still playing great football. Uh, he's got to figure out this new receiving core, definitely missing Devontae Adams. I still think the Packers are probably going to take the division. I don't think it's going to be the Vikings after that shit show we saw yesterday. I mean, Kirk Cousins, three picks, 221, 27 for 46. That is that is piss poor. Um, and as you said, Dalvin Cook's aging, as is Adam Thielen. They're both getting older. Um, who knows what's going to go on with Madison and his contract year. They might keep him. I bet he moves on because he's probably going to look for a starting role somewhere. Um, I think this Vikings team is kind of in disarray. Mine is Justin Jefferson, as you said. 
I think they definitely should sign him to one of the biggest wide receiver contracts. The guy's a freak. He's in what his third year and he's just playing the lights out. I don't know. I did not know those were the odds. And I took, I already took one in the off season for the Lions to win the NFC North. So I'm sure that I had good, better odds than I would have right now. But all I'm saying is the bears, let's be honest. They don't have a shot. That was an absolute stinker that they put up this week. They are not good. Justin Fields cannot throw their running game is the one thing they can hang their hat on. And the Vikings, they got a lot to prove. And like I said, like if depending on how this game goes, that's going to determine how I feel about us winning the NFC North. The Packers, yes, on paper, they're the best team. But the Lions historically are good for one game against the Packers. We do play them harder. Now, we also have them in Green Bay week 18. So if we're both looking like we're playoff teams at that time, who knows what happens? We get the Packers at home when there's actually something to play for. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. I don't want to put the cart before the horse right now, but I'm just saying be on the lookout. You know, my I'm starting to have my spidey senses tingle a little bit and a little bit of hope is creeping in. I don't like it. I should really just set my expectations so I don't get my heart ripped out by, by the end of the season. But anyways, Stop. It sounds like I'm in your cart and that thing's got some momentum going downhill and we're way past the horse. <laughs> no, there's no stopping that cart. I don't know if you're in the cart just yet. Maybe a leg in. We're starting to trickle downhill, but maybe we still a got time to pull the brakes. Yeah. Still adds weight. <laughs> yeah. Nice little sidebar there, but let's talk about Adam Thielen because I think that he's getting overlooked with this Justin Jefferson onslaught. Adam Thielen's a solid wide receiver too. He's had great years in Minnesota. He's a savvy vet, but he's getting up in there and getting up there in age as well. And I think that he could have a good game. He hasn't yet, but down in the red zone, he's always a threat to go off for a touchdown or two. And I mean, he is, he, he can catch balls too. Now that just Justin Jefferson's in town, he's kind of, you know, played second fiddle, but you know, that's going to be a matchup to look out for too, because even if we, you know, throw a CUDA and a safety over top on Justin Jefferson, that's going to leave Adam Thielen with a lot of one-on-ones and we're going to need somebody to handle that. So having Amani Owarie back, or if we put Okuda on him to have a one-on-one with Adam Thielen, that's going to be an important matchup to keep an eye out on. He, he is coming off that ankle injury though. And, and as you said, he just hasn't returned to form yet. He's definitely going to have some games this season where he pops off for over a hundred yards. Will it be this week? I'm not sure. Um, we got it. We got to see more out of Adam Thielen. All right, let's get into the defense a little bit. Just from my observations watching the Eagles and Vikings, I thought that the Minnesota's D-line performed pretty similarly to the Lions-Eagles, and that's a good game. to. I mean, we both played the Eagles, so we can both kind of compare how we matched up against them. Now, the Vikings did have three sacks on Jalen Hurts. They were able to get to him and get him down, and they did hold the Eagles to 24 points and shut him out in the second half, even though that was scoreless on both sides. From what I saw, Hertz could pretty much do whatever he wanted on the ground and through the air. And I thought that we limited Hertz pretty well through the air. I thought AJ Brown was a big reason why he had the the game that he did, the stats that he did in terms of the passing game. But I thought that he played better against the Vikings defense. I mean, that was a big statement game, Monday night football, and Jalen Hurts put on a show. And I don't think that he torched us that bad, but Minnesota had no answer for him at all. 
Hertz was spreading the ball out to more than just AJ Brown. Devonta Smith got some Dallas Goddard. Some got some, the running backs were in Zach Pascal and uh, Quez Watkins. Everybody was touching the ball. Everybody had their hands in the cookie jar this game. So it was nice to see him spread it around a little bit. I just think that the Eagles are a very good offense. They're really well-rounded and they, a lot of people have them as a Super Bowl darling and you know, they're acting the part. They've had two good weeks in a row, two good wins offensively and defensively. It looks like they're the whole package. That Vikings defense, it's usually been touted as one of the best in the NFL year in and year out. And I just don't really see it this year. They've got a lot of vets who've been there for years and you're starting to see a little bit of a slip. You know, you got like Harrison Smith. He's still playing at an elite level. He led the team in tackles last night and he's the clear leader of that defense. And then you got Neil Hunter too, who's still a problem in the pass rush. Yeah, there's a lot of questions, and I think that this game is going to give us a lot more clarity on where we stand in the division. But, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much all I got to say about this. I'm really excited for this one. Big, big game. I cannot wait for it. We're going to learn a lot about this team and what we can do. Let's get to some predictions. What do you think the final score is going to be, Corb? (laughs) I asked first. You go. Uh, I I had placed this earlier in the day before analyzing quite a bit, and I have it listed as the Vikings 23, Lions 20. Uh, I know I shouldn't do it, but I'm going to go with the gut, and I'm going to stick with that. <laughs> I thought you were going to switch it up, and I was like, damn. No, no, I got to stay I gotta stay true to my bulbous mass. Yep, yep. All right, going with the gut. It's worked out for you so far, huh? Uh, not, no, no, it has not. <laughs> Well, it's gotten you this far. Well, I'm going to do it again, guys. Lions 31, Vikings 27. Over is going to hit. The Lions have scored a touchdown in 12 consecutive quarters. That is leading the NFL. We're going to score 28, one per quarter, and then we're going to score a field goal too. Vikings won't be able to handle it. Three touchdowns, two field goals. Lions win in Minnesota. NFL on notice, mic drop. <laughs> you got that Lions fever, Corb. You always have. I got to give it to you. I can't help it, man. It's just too enticing. They've, they've got me believing again, and I hate this. I know. I mean, history tells me that I'm going to get my heart ripped out, and that's fine because Dan Campbell's got me believing. I'm drinking the Kool-Aid, and I'm ready to fucking go to Minnesota and snatch one right out from under those fucking Vikings. Dan Campbell's Kool-Aid, a tongue lashing with every sip. (laughs) All right, moving on. Next segment here. Let's talk a little fantasy football. We'll try and keep this short and sweet. I'll take the Lions belly. You got the Vikings. And we'll start off with quarterback Jared Goff. Talked about it earlier. He's coming off a huge game, best of the season. Not a big sample size. But he's starting to grow on me a little bit. I think if you really need to, you can plug him into that starting role. I mean, you got a Dak Prescott hurt. You got Trey Lance hurt. Jimmy G's not a bad guy to pick up, but I don't know. This this Lions offense, if they can do it this game, I think that Jared Goff could be a somewhat consistent starter. I mean, I, I'm not saying he's a top 10 quarterback in the league, but we don't need him to be. If he could be like a top 15 guy, just stay healthy and be efficient and smart, that's all we really need. So... I wouldn't really, personally, I wouldn't start him just yet unless you have to, but he's worth a stash if you need a number two guy. Uh, Moving on to Kirk Cousins, though, just 
keep that guy on the waiver. If you have a commissioner that's got overextending powers, just delete him out of your league, do that, get him out of town. And he's a fellow Spartan <laughs> man, but he just looked like a floppy piece of shit yesterday. And I just, I couldn't handle it. I don't want to see cousins on the field again for a while. They need to draft a quarterback. Moving on to running backs. I'm taking Deandre Swift and Jamal Williams. Swift, obviously a must start. He could be a top running back in the league, but you got to keep an eye on his ankle. Just monitor that. I think that if that does pop up on the injury report, Jamal Williams can easily be a flex. He might be anyways, just because he seems to be the favorite at the goal line to vulture some of those touchdowns. So if you're desperate, you could do a lot worse than Jamal Williams, um, but just monitor Swift's injury. And if he's out, definitely start Jamal Williams. For the Vikings running backs, though, I think you just got to keep rolling Dalvin Cook and just cross your fingers and pray. Uh, Madison, the only reason you're holding him in a redraft league is if he's got a handcuff to Dalvin Cook. Um, every time Madison has played when Dalvin Cook's been down, he's put up a very solid performance. Um, Dalvin Cook is getting old, though. I don't think it's quite his time yet to be just done. Uh, I think he's got a year or two left in him. So go ahead and start Dalvin Cook. Moving on wide receivers, we got DJ Chark, Amon Ross, St. Brown, and Josh Reynolds representing the Detroit Lions. Amon Ross, St. Brown with all pro potential. He is on a historic tear. I think that he could easily finish as a wide receiver one if he keeps that up. He's definitely going to. Now, I do expect him to regress slightly, come back down to earth at some point, but let's ride this wave, baby, and see how long he can make it last. And DJ Chark and Josh Reynolds, I think that Goff likes both of them in different situations. I think they're both kind of boom or bust. Goff has shown that he likes to target Chark in the red zone and also on those deep balls. And Josh Reynolds is more of that kind of safety blanket guy. He has some potential if Goff starts to go away from Chark, if he starts to lose that trust because they have been playing it together for years. He was brought over from the Rams to give Goff a target that he's familiar with. So keep an eye on him. He's still on the waivers. Chark, I'd probably push away from flex until we can get some more consistency. Um, for the Vikings, Justin Jefferson, auto start that guy every week. Despite matchup, just play the guy. He didn't have that great of a game, but the whole Vikings just, once again, just complete disarray. Um, it's just a one-off. He's probably going to bounce back, throw up a 30-point performance here any day now. Um, Thielen, he's probably a flex play. Um, he, I, it, it just depends on who's on your roster. If you got someone else in there, I mean, maybe if you got like a Greg Dorchich off the waiver wire after week one, you might want to play Dorch. him. He's kind of a he's, – he's, Thielen's a toss-up. Uh, he is a red zone target. He could get some TDs, but who knows? Um, Osborne and Rager. Osborne's more of like a deep stash, maybe in like a dynasty league. And Rager, just you don't even need to touch Rager. He might be returning punts. They traded next to nothing for him. He's a former first-round pick. He didn't stack up. And it's actually funny that Rager and Justin Jefferson are on the same team because there's a video on YouTube of the entire Viking staff cracking up when the Eagles picked Rager right before them. And they all start giggling and they go, all right, guess Justin Jefferson's ours. So now it's interesting. They got back-to-back -back picks from that draft. Um, but yeah, you don't need Rager on your team. He's never yep. bounced back. Yep. I agree. But I've got a question for you. What, how the fuck did you just pronounce that guy's name before Rager? Osborne Osborne. Yeah. Osborne. Have you ever heard of Ozzy Osbourne? I thought it's Osborne. No, it's Osborne. Maybe know. I'm wrong, but that's every other Osborne I've ever seen. Osborne Vikings. This is going to be TJ Hushman's out all over. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> all right. Getting into tight ends here. 
TJ Hawkinson, like I said, he's had two bad weeks. I think you got to keep him in because tight end is such a fickle position. Most of the times you're just hoping for them to come down with a touchdown. I do think that he still has a lot of the target share. So I'm keeping him in. I want to see what he does in these next few weeks. I do think that Goff likes to go to him. He's just got to get those drops under control. Uh, Irv Smith, definitely uh, worth some consideration. He had some nice plays and a touchdown. Um, if you don't have a top guy, you could definitely do worse than Irv. Um, he was a potential breakout candidate this year um, with Thielen waning and uh, their third receiver being Osborne, Osborne, whatever the fuck his name is. Um, so Irv Smith, definitely worth a stash. He might be in your starting lineup. Who knows? Maybe you got Jared Everett before that. I don't know. He's a toss-up, but he's probably like a tight end, like 15 to 20. So he could be worth a start. Yeah, I put Irv Smith in over puke boy Gerald Everett. That's for sure. <laughs> Did he puke? I missed that. Yeah, dude. That's why that the interception happened. He wanted to get pulled out of the game, and they kept him in because they were pushing it down the field. And then I don't, I didn't see it actually. I just heard about it, but he was like puking like right after the interception. <laughs> he did look like me after walking up a steep hill. Yep, some conditioning issues. You're working on it. He's got to work on it. <laughs> well, I'm gonna call him up, give him some tips. <laughs> yeah, you got something in common. Get him on the old belly busters diet. All right, Ben, that's going to do it for fantasy. You take it away. What did we call it? Gambling with the gut, fading the flab, tailing tubby? We're betting with the belly. Oh, that was it, yeah. (laughs) So the spread is currently minus 5.5 for the Vikings. Uh, We talked about it earlier that the line had moved. Um, I think uh, my old steady Eddie bet might be cashing in here. You hit the Vikings money line and the Lions plus the points. You're not going to lose that much money because one of them is guaranteed to hit. Um, the over-under is 52-and-a-half. I think that we're just going to see this trend where the points are just going to keep rolling with the Lions games. Um, what is it, a combined 140-plus over the last two games? Something like that. It's quite a bit. Um, For the Lions? Uh, combined with the, whoever they're playing as well. Okay, all right. <laughs> yeah, something like um, that. Talking over-unders, man. Yeah. Um, on top of that, uh, we're moving on to the money line. Vikings are minus 245, Lions are plus 200. I don't think you take Lions money line here. Yes, they may win the game, but I take the points just to be safe. I think it's a safer bet. Uh, a lot of risk with the plus 200, and it's not quite – the two-to-one's not quite that amazing considering it's five-and-a-half. I know that's how it normally is, but I'm definitely – if I'm going to bet the Lions, you take the points, walk away. Um, moving on to the same-game parlay, Um I didn't see uh, a lot of player prop bets in the same game parlay that was out yet. So I went with the, uh, I did my old buy the line down, uh, put Lions at plus 10.5 and the over at 46 and a half at plus 100 odds. Uh, I think that's a pretty good bet. I think it's going to be a lot of points. And my prediction was three, you know, and I'm kind of switching towards the Vikings by seven. I don't like that. I don't like that. Well, I will stick with my Homer status and have Lions cover once again, three and O against the spread. We're covering five and a half easy money. And then I like that over. I think, like I said before that the Lions have been putting up points every single quarter. I think the Vikings can score too. I think Kirk cousins is going to have a bounce back game. I expect a high scoring affair. I'm taking the over 52 and a half money line. I got no opinion on the money line. I'm not taking that bet. I wouldn't. You got to take the I points mean, if you want the lines. You got to take the points. 
I mean, I'll maybe I'll sprinkle in a little Lions money line, but maybe like a quarter unit on the money on the money line, but I'm not going all out on that. But my same game parlay, I do like this quite a bit actually. For the first leg, I've got Lions plus three and a half, an alternate spread. Just cover a field goal. You know what? I we're going into enemy territory, and it's not easy to win a divisional game on the road. So I'll take the points just to be safe over the money line on the parlay. I think that if we lose by a field goal, it's a successful game, and I do think we'll have a successful game. And then I like the Lions. Total points over 27.5. I mentioned it before, 12 consecutive quarters. We've been scoring tutties, and I think we're going to do the same. Maybe that streak comes to an end, but I think that our offense is looking good and I'm going to keep riding this wagon until the wheels fall off. And for the last leg, I got the Vikings first half spread at minus 0.5. So Vikings lead at halftime, Lions backs against the wall, hungry dogs run faster, and then we're going to come back and take it away in Minnesota. That is plus 700 odds. I I like that same game parlay. Corbin, seven to one. That's not bad. Not bad at all, but like, I mean, you're taking the Vikings. So, but it is interesting. This is the Lions' first road game. Yep. It's the first time they're going to be out of their barn and we'll see how they perform on the road. Um, It's going to be interesting. So, and again, we don't know shit. So, (laughs) this is all just coming from our old brains. Nope. I'm terrible at gambling. Please let me know if you actually take this and it pays off. I don't even know if I'm going to do it, to be honest. But I will actually be taking the Lions to cover the spread if that holds up. I do like that a lot. I think that the Lions have a lot of momentum, and the Vikings are on a downward spiral. So we'll see if they can pull themselves out of it, but I like Lions to cover. That's a key takeaway. Um, In our next segment, uh, Survivor League update, Um, we had a bunch more fallers in the Survivor League this uh, week. A couple of people took the Browns this week and the Jets upset them. So we started with 56 entrants. We are down to 10. It is dwindled Jesus. by week three. Um, as I said, I got eliminated week one, so I'm not, I'm no one to talk. Um, what were our picks last week, Corbin? Well, I think we, yeah, we both had the Rams. So that hit, that was a win for us. And then I had the Steelers as a risky pick. That was a loss. And then you had the Bears as a risky pick. That was a big loss. So I was a little closer than you, but. So we'll see. Uh, so we're one for one on confidence picks and we're 0 for one on uh, risky picks. Yep. Um, looking at the spreads this week, though, a lot of close games this week. The one with the largest spread is the Chargers over the Jags. Chargers are laying seven. I think that the Chargers are a decent pick, but I don't know after that Jags performance. Um, we'll have to see. But for my safe pick, I'm probably going to go with the Eagles over the Commies. The Eagles. Eagles beat the Lions. The Lions beat the Commanders. Uh, Eagles are minus six and a half. I think Jalen Hurts is playing good football. I think that's the lock um, for my risky pick. I'll come back to me in a second. You, you go ahead with your lock. Yeah, well, I already have the Eagles as well as my safe pick. I think that they're just a wagon right now. And the Commanders, <laughs> I mean... They're duds. I mean, they're not a good team. It was a good win for us, but we handled them easily. I think that we left a lot on the table too. We could have won by a lot more and defense was kind of playing prevent in that second half. So Eagles over commanders, that's my lock. That's what I'm doing in my survivor league for a little bit riskier of a pick here after crunching the numbers, I'm taking the Houston Texans over the Chicago bears. I think that the Texans are a gritty team. And I don't think Davis Mills is that bad. I think that he's definitely an upgrade over Justin Fields. 
The Bears have their run game to hang their hat on, and they have an okay defense, I guess you could say. But the Texans are dogs in this game, not by much, maybe three points. But I think that they're going to get their first win, be 1-1-1. One, one, and one. Um, For my little bit of a rishy pick, I'm going to go with the Falcons uh, at plus one and a half versus the Seahawks. I like that. I, I don't, I don't know about Geno Smith, you know, and he had his glory day in week one, but I think, uh, I think uh, Mariota is going to figure it out or we can bench him and bring in Desmond Ritter, a little Cincinnati boy, but yeah, Falcons are going to be my risky pick. Yeah. I've thought about that game too. I think it's just playing in Seattle is the one thing that kind of made me lean away from them. The twelves. Yeah. But I, I think that the Falcons offense, it's, it's underrated. They put up points against the Rams. They put up points week one, week one. I forget who they were playing, but they've done a lot better than I've expected. I really expected them to be a, you know, a terrible team and they're getting it done with Marcus Mariota. They got some weapons on offense. So we'll see. I like the pick. All right. That's going to wrap up the survivor league. Let's get into the real meat and potatoes. What the people want to hear. These are our edgy segments. We've got the nickname origin story, the meme of the month. And as always, Corbin, how bad do you want it? So let's start it off with you, Ben belly smokes. That's what they call you. Why? Oh boy. (laughs) Well, if you're from Western Michigan, there's a little festival called the Coast Guard Festival. It happens once a year. I think it's end of July, if I'm not mistaken. August first, first, something right first Saturday of August is the last day of Coast Guard. First, and that's the big one. That's the one you want to go to. But anyway, um, got to roll back a little bit. The night before, shout out to the Tip of Fuel Bar in Grand Haven. They will pour you the meanest drink for the shortest prices, and they'll get you a little hammered, get you staggering home. Well, my first year at Coast Guard, my good buddy Brad, told me that we should ride bikes because Ubers don't exist in Grand Haven, which is not a lie. So we grabbed bikes, and the last Snapchat you see of me is me polishing off a large pitcher of two-hearted, taking it right <laughs> to the dome, and that is when the lights turned off. I start to ride my bike home. I go, guys, I'm not in any condition to ride a bike. You're going to have to tell me when we're going to turn because this bike's not very good. So we're riding the bike home, and uh, nobody warned me at the turn. All of a sudden, last second, they say, hey, Ben, here we go. We got to hang a righty. I go full speed <laughs> into this curb, hit the curb, launch off it like Superman. I might have held the pose. The, the details are a little funky. My tire flies <laughs> off the front of my bike, starts bouncing down the road next to me, and I just start laughing. Somehow I didn't get hurt, slid on some wet grass. It was just like that Chicago Bears game. So, <laughs> so as I'm sliding in the grass, I finally come to and I look up and the sign in front of me, is like the Grand Haven Hospital. So I was like, okay, I guess I'm in the right spot. This isn't that bad. So <laughs> could have happened in a better place. <laughs> couldn't have happened in a better place. So I'm in no condition to put this bike back together. So I have to rally around my friends who aren't too hearted. And then, um, so we're putting the bike back on. I'm trying to help. And our buddy Trevor is like, God damn it, Ben, just let me do it. And he cut to another Snapchat and I'm just hacking it to dart in fine form. I needed to cut the edge off a little bit. And so um, we get the bike back on, we're riding back home. And I'm like, guys, I told you, you need to tell me to turn. And they're like, no, 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 it's fine. <laughs> so we're driving down the street and I'm just kind of having a good old time, kind of like doing a little shimmy on my bike, having a, letting the air run through my hair. Um, all of a sudden uh, we get another maybe half a mile towards Brad's house and there's a Jersey barrier. And if you don't know what a Jersey barrier, that's that sign that says like road closed with the three pieces of wood. Anyway, Motor functions aren't all there. 
I hit that full speed. I end up going between <laughs> the two planks of wood and I am just cracking up. Travers just like Winnie the Pooh stuck in a hole. <laughs> oh yeah. Just ass hanging out, just looking real vulnerable. That's and a so, porno setup right there. Pretty what much. are you doing in there, big boy? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, step bro. I'm stuck. <laughs> so then Trevor's pissed at me. Brad's like, God damn it, belly, give me your bike. Well, I wasn't belly at the time, but no, that's, yeah, that's to, to come. <laughs> so yeah, we're still getting there. So um Brad takes my bike. He's like, Wow, this isn't that good of a bike. <laughs> and so we start pedaling back. We finally get back to Brad's house, and Brad's mother is there, and she's like, Hey, Ben, do you want any tacos? I was like, Leanne, I've had a hell of a night. I'm just going to bed. Leave me alone. I love you. And then so next morning rolls around. This is the hangover buildup that I have to tell you. So me and Brad are the only ones in the house the morning of that Saturday. Um, he has a pool in his backyard. So I grabbed my smokes, as I always did back in the day. I crawled out poolside, laid out a towel, and I'm just laying there with a stig hanging out of my mouth. I hadn't met Brad's father yet. And uh, his name is Rick, by the way. He loves to lick his lips. I can't give you the video of it. But basically what happens is I'm down by the pool. Brad's up on the balcony with his uh, dad. And his dad goes, hey, licks his lips. Who's that uh, Bally Smokes guy? <laughs> and and ever since, that has been my mantra. It's I stuck. named my tent after it. It's Belly Manor. <laughs> it's positioned in the Smokes District. It's a lot of jokes to go with it. We'll probably tell more throughout the show. Well, that was definitely a little bit more of a long-winded answer than I expected. I thought it'd be more of the spark version, not like what you had to eat the week before and everything leading up to it. I had to give you a calorie count. No, well, that's good because if we get Tip a few to sponsor us on this show, I mean, fuck HBO, fuck Allegiant Airlines, fuck the Marlboro 27s you were calling out. Like, Tip a few would be like, my life is made. Free Long Islands, you only need one. But for me, the fish, mine's definitely not going to be as uh, specific of an answer as Ben's here. But back in high school, there was this one guy who would sit at our lunch table and he handed out nicknames to everybody that just made no sense. So like one of my friends, Danny, his nickname was Tornado Dan. We had a guy named Alex. His nickname was Thunder Eagle. No reason whatsoever. I have no idea why. We had a guy, Eric, Air Slice. Eric air, I guess. And then for me, I was core fish. And so this air slice guy and I, whenever we would bicker, we would just like have fun with it. Like I would say you dirty slice of bread. You're just molding in the cupboard, you piece of shit. And then he would just say, you're just a decaying goby on the pier, just stinking it up and it nasty invasive species. So from core fish, you got goby, goby, clearly a fish. And here I am today standing before he has the fish. Definitely not as cool of a story as yours, but it stuck around. I got many nicknames. Gobi, probably the most prevalent. Speaking of Allegiant Airlines, you can catch a one-way to Bozeman, Montana on October 17th for 56 bucks from Nashville. That's your Allegiant plug of the week. Yeah, so if you're in Nashville and for some fucking reason you want to go to Bozeman, Montana in the middle of fall, there's your shot. <laughs> <laughs> What a time to be alive. Oh, yeah. It doesn't get better than that. They got Other the routes running direct. Monday to, Monday and Friday. You know, it's <laughs> those hot, hot flight days. Yep. <laughs> All right. So now you know where we got our nicknames. Here we are. Humble Ben and Corbin, Belly and the Fish, here to bring you our next segment. And that's the meme of the month. I thought about doing it every week, but I feel like 
I don't know. There's not like any hot ticket memes. So I want to just keep track of some of my favorite ones throughout the month and bring them out every now and then. Cone? Yep. <laughs> That's definitely one of them. You know, at the wedding I was at, I was singing the song and everything. Nominee number one, we got the corn kid. If you haven't seen it, you got to Google it. It's just a sweet little boy, a nice wholesome meme, actually, for once, instead of some of the sick, twisted shit you see on the Internet. Which is my it's favorite. Just a, yeah, me too. <laughs> but this kid, he just fucking loves corn, man. He calls it a big lump with knobs. He likes it with the juice. He likes the grease. And when he tried it with butter, everything changed. There's a great song. You don't song. have to like it. <laughs> <laughs> the song, though, is it's actually a banger. I was it's playing cold. this. It's a big lump of knobs. It's got the juice. When I tried it with butter, everything changed. Yep, something like that. I haven't gotten it all down, so I'm not ready to do karaoke on it yet, but I'm learning. I'll get there. Next nominee, we got Leonardo DiCaprio and his girlfriends. And I was looking it up, just a little research, and I had no idea that he dated Giselle and Blake Lively. Leonardo DiCaprio absolutely pulls. He does not date any women under the age of 25. As soon as they turn 25, they're gone. Just like that. But I think he kind of caught wind on some of these memes. And I saw recently he's been dating Gigi Hadid, who is 27 and has a child, which is a first for him, not only age, but also dating a woman who has a child. Not usually his style, but the memes that have been produced from that discovery are phenomenal. For a whole week, I was going hard on these Leo memes and they were fucking awesome. I mean, the the... The content that you can produce of that is just endless. The Titanic ones where he's drowning, like I'm 25, and then he sinks into the abyss. <laughs> fucking just the so internet good. is remains undefeated. <laughs> Speaking of memes, did you see King Charles's just thick fingers? Yep, yep, that's what I had La- on there. Ladies out there, could you imagine getting a guitar strum from those <laughs> fucking missiles? Oh man, you wouldn't be able to walk for a week. His uh, fingers looked like, you know, you know, when you were like in high or not high school, elementary, when you used to wrap rubber bands and see how purple your fingers would turn. Yeah. That's pretty much what it was. It was bad. He, he might have gout of the fingers. I'm not sure. He might have to get those looks. <laughs> Is that <out>. possible? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it looks like it. Seems accurate. <laughs> I'm no doctor. <laughs> That's next week. We're going to give our medical opinions on very minor injuries. I did have an idea though. And I think that the, like, if you're from Great Britain, you should listen to this because they're talking about. <laughs> Expand I'm, poli- I'm no a politician either. Well, we have some, we have some British listeners, so they'll hear no this. No way. No, we do. I swear. I'll show you the data. It's there. I got some friends. I got friends in high places, <laughs> but they're talking about abolishing the monarchy moving on to bigger and better things. And it's about that time, but I don't think that they want to do what's necessary to get rid of this monarchy once and for all. And it's because they're going to have to compromise one of their most precious assets. And that is tea. I'm sure you've heard of the Boston tea party because it worked pretty damn well for us. When we dumped all that tea in the river, you're going to lose out on a lot of tea, great Britain. But think about it. If you really want to get this out, just dump some tea in the channel or whatever you got going on over there. And that'll send a a signal to the rest of the world that the Brits mean business. And also one last minute entry that I just pulled today. Sleepy chicken. Have you heard of it? I can't say that I have. (laughs) Yes. Good. I was hoping you didn't see it. So you remember the Tide Pod challenge? Oh God, go on. (laughs) So sleepy chicken is when you cook chicken 
in NyQuil. It's like a TikTok trend and people think it's serious. And the FDA had to issue a warning that cooking NyQuil will cause it to be, it'll have stronger effects. And also the fumes can get you high. So they're warning nobody to cook their chicken with NyQuil. Instantly <laughs> NyQuil sales, <laughs> instantly NyQuil sales had to skyrocket. Yeah. Sleepy chicken though. I just I mean, saw like the cooking and then I saw they called it sleepy chicken and I was fucking dying. I mean, to be honest with you, I think NyQuil tastes kind of good. <laughs> it's got its time. Not its the place, pills though. Chicken- not the pills. The pills don't hit the same. The liquid's way better. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, I've been looking for a good seasoning for chicken. I don't know if I'm going to go with the NyQuil, though. I'll stay away from that one. But I kind of want to try that. I kind of want to try the sleepy chicken. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Meme of the month, though. I am the judge, jury, and executioner, and I'm giving it to the corn kid. It's a nice change of pace, a nice wholesome meme video, lots of potential. I think he's going to be the next Mason Ramsey corn kid. You were the fucking man. Keep doing you. Never stop loving corn. It's cone. It's a big lump of knobs. It's got the juice. Anyways, meme of the month awarded. Ben, what do you got for me? Corbin, how bad do you want it? I'm one and one, by the way. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? I went a little light. I didn't realize that body parts being cut off weren't valuable to you. Um. All right, this one comes to us from our good friend, Tyler May. Um, I am going to add a little sauce to it, though. And by sauce, um, this means a condiment. So what we're going to do is Corbin would – so backstory, Obi is Corbin's dog. Um, And the question is, Corbin, would you eat a four-inch turd of Obi's with the girth of a highlighter covered in Worcestershire sauce? Yes, easily. No No way. No, no problem, way. dude. Eat a piece of shit for a Lions Super Bowl that lasts forever. I'll be gone with that in like a day less. I'm pretty sure you're going to be very sick after you eat that turd. Dude, I don't give a shit, man. I know what his diet is. Clearly, you he... don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, he eats grass in the yard. He eats his kibble. What else is there? Dude, eating a turd in Worcestershire or whatever you say. <laughs> dude, you're just giving me more flavor. Uh, I I didn't think the flavors would conflict. <laughs> I would eat a soup bowl full of diarrhea if I had, if it meant a lion's guaranteed <laughs> Super Bowl victory. <laughs> Shut up. No way. You got to get better at these. There's a not, you got to think about it. I would give pretty much fucking anything in this world to secure a lion's Super Bowl to know that I had a hand in that. Eating a turd, t- that's taking one for the team. Think about right. what these guys you know are laying on the. Think we'll about what these guys the are laying on the line every week. I'm going to go much harder then because good God, man. Yeah. You got to, you got some thinking to do. Apparently you're eating shit over here and losing limbs. <laughs> well, victory lasts forever, man. I guess a nub foot and a belly full of dog shit also will. <laughs> Corbin, you're going to be dead before they even finish the game. It's going to be a kickoff. Fine, you're going to be gone. It's a turd. It's a highlighter thick four inch turd. You're just going to be sitting nothing. there. You're just going to be sitting there as a little nub, just hanging out on your bed. <laughs> covered Dude, I, don't in even feces. Need, I don't even need water. I'd power that thing down like a small oh, subway God. sandwich. <laughs> that is morbid. I'm telling you, man, you got to get better at this. I thought you were going to give me a tough one because you had would a whole human week to shit think about change it. your mind. No, I mean, <laughs> you would have to present me with like a Jurassic Park style dung pile in order for me to maybe hesitate 
All right, my sh- my shit after the wedding weekend we just had, right before I got on off the air, right after I got off the airplane. Is this gonna count for another one? No, but I just want to know because as friends, I need to know this about you. Well, I guess you'll have to tune in next week to find out. All <laughs> that one up for later. <laughs> that's going to do it for episode two guys um we had a bunch of people reach out to us liking subscribing sharing a bunch of text messages a bunch of love from friends family people i haven't talked to in years honestly it's been great i think episode one did so much better than i could have even fathomed i really expect to get a couple of you know pity likes and listens here and there but i really do think we're onto something guys so please continue to just spread the word Follow, subscribe, download on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all other major platforms. Don't forget to leave us five stars and give a review. Follow me on Twitter. It's like Corbyashi. That's L-I-K-E-C-O-R-B-Y-A-S-H-I. And DM, DM me some ideas for segments. If you want to hear something, let us know. We're happy to add it in. But yeah, please, word of mouth is great, guys. It's what's going to spread the word and put us on the map. Belly and the fish is going to the moon. We're going to be riding in our Lambos, eating tendies in no time. And you're going to want to be there for that. Yeah. And seriously, guys, we appreciate it so much. As Corbin said, we did not think we were going to get um, as many viewers or listeners as we did for week one. Um, We're still catching our stride. Hopefully we get better as time goes on. I think we did much better this episode than we did last episode. Um, But yeah, we're so happy you listened to us. Like, subscribe. And definitely keep the feedback coming. Things you like, things you don't like, we're adaptable. So we want to make this show for you. And so it's not just for us. Yep, we want to give the people what they want. And with that said...